0: We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And I hope you brought your passport, because you're going to take a round trip back to the 1988 American romantic comedy, Coming to America. We made it. We
1: made it because there's a new one that's out now Now, on Amazon Prime.
0: Any long time, maybe even short time listeners will know that we have such great respect for movie sequels that do the thing that's right in front of you. Coming Mm -hmm. to America, the Mm. sequel has a number two right there. In the name, because it's a I, sequel yeah. to
1: this movie. I think anytime words can be more like numbers, it, it's a pretty good start to your day. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. It's a fan-for-stick start to your day, I'd say. <laughs> There's just so much... So much to cover. So, in case you don't know um, about this iconic film, you've likely heard references to it uh, just throughout pop culture because this movie is one of those nexus points of culture and pop culture references. I'm just like, that's what this is from. I completely forgot. So, Coming to America is a 1988 comedy directed by John Landis and starring the comedic duo of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Now, A lot of people don't know about Arsenio Hall and his famed late night talk show, but Arsenio Hall was basically, uh, like Ellen, uh, but like a late Mm. night talk show. Oh, sorry. They had late night talk shows like Jimmy Fallon. Uh, He even had his own hand motion, too. Yo, woo, 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 woo. Yeah.
1: Like, rotated around. What we're doing is not helpful to you as a listener. No. But we're doing the hand motion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you can look it up. Uh, and so, this was... Uh, by people considered to be a spiritual successor to uh, another time that Eddie Murphy and John Landis partnered together, trading spaces. But the story was conceived by Eddie Murphy and Art uh, Butchwald, though Murphy was given sole credit. There's also some rumors that uh, there was an a undisclosed lawsuit about uh, the, or, the origins of this. So uh, there was a Butchwald versus Paramount civil lawsuit where Butchwald uh said that the idea was stolen from him after he had pitched the script treatment to Paramount about a despotic African potentate these are first time seeing words uh who comes to America on a state visit Paramount had optioned the treatment from Butchwald and John Landis was attached as a director and Eddie as the lead but after 2 years of development how it You know, they abandoned the project. But in 1987, Paramount began working on Coming to America based on a story by Eddie Murphy. So Mm. Butchwald won the breach of contract action and the court ordered monetary damages. So they later settled an out of court deal. Depending on who you ask that's where the story comes from uh and this is eddie murphy kind of after he has established himself as a big star this is uh four years uh since trading spaces which was his big um kind of break into post snl yeah post making the transition yeah and so this movie had a budget of 36 million dollars it went on to make over 288 million. Oh. Now, Grayson, that's here's so many more millions. You want to know something that's about to blow your mind? I do. Paramount. Yeah, I'm not wearing a hat. <laughs> Paramount considers this movie to still be a box office flop.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me? Yeah. That's so mountain money.
0: It is. And it's largely because of the lawsuit. Oh, they
1: <laughs> so it took away from their profits because they yeah. have.
0: Oh, well, boy. And also, let me, like, usually we don't have this kind of information available to us, but we do. Uh, Eddie Murphy received a personal salary of $8 million for his work on the film, plus 15% of film rentals. What? How do you negotiate that? I wish I could travel back in time and make that happen. And then Landis received six hundred thousand dollars plus ten percent of gross receipts (laughs) and that is why paramount because they gave it all away they gave it all away
1: goodness yeah you got all the lawsuits on top of huge payouts
0: yeah on top Hmm. of having such a massive cast so and like when you you watch this movie and it's in addition to being just very entertaining and highly comedic, it's basically just a nexus point for six degrees of, like, everyone. Uh, I'm just going to mention to you a bunch of side characters, characters who are not primary to the plot. Uh, we have Louis Anderson, uh, who is in this movie, as well as Cuba Gooding Jr., who says nothing really he, he, said, he, he just gets his he, haircut he actually had a moment in a deleted scene where he said he didn't have money to pay for the haircut and then the barber just like takes a big chunk out of his hair and then we him. from but uh-huh. cuba gooding jr that cuba gooding jr is just guy in chair i just thought that was absolutely mind-blowing uh, and then I mean, you have uh, you have Calvin Lockhart who was in the Predator movies, Wild at Heart, and you just there's just so many people who are like, Wait, wait, what? Yeah. You have well, James, John Amos, John Amos, who we
1: just saw in Die Hard 2, yes, General Grant, yeah, yeah, it was a good
0: time for John Amos, mm. uh. And you have, I mean, just everyone, James Earl Jones, uh, Mad Sinclair, who were so iconic in this role. They were, of course, the king and queen of Pride Rock. In Lion King, James Earl Jones was the voice of Mufasa and Madge Sinclair was the voice of Sarabi because of this movie.
1: That's how you do Easter eggs for parents.
0: That's how you do
1: it. It's like James Earl Jones when he's deciding on what part to take. He's like, now tell me, does my character have deep seated issues with his son? Yes. Will do. I'm there. Vader, Mufasa,
0: (laughs) this one. It's all of it king. Oh, yep. Do I get to be a king of something? All right. King and daddy issues. <laughs> he has a very short writer. Uh, and so uh, the movie was hugely successful. It permeated the culture. Um, and there was going to be a TV show made. About It's actually starring uh, Tommy Davison and Prince Tariq uh, and Paul Bates reprising his role as Oha. Uh, But the pilot went unsold, but they did air it on CBS in 1989 as part of a summer playhouse pilot anthology series where they just basically showed you a bunch of pilots that never picked up. That's a cool idea. Something that I thought was very fascinating the tribal dance that accompanies mm. uh, Imani's introduction was choreographed by Paula Abdul.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was getting hints of Abdul in that dance. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It, I it's just it's amazing. And so uh, this movie went on to inspire just a ton. I mean, my, my immediate reaction to watching this entire movie was like I didn't know that. Uh, black panther uh had so much it's because like when black panther came out uh there's just a lot of talks about uh, you know there hasn't been a big action movie um that features a predominantly black cast uh in such a light especially alongside all these other big marvel superheroes and then i'm watching this movie i'm like oh i mean granted it's not an action movie but still it's like such a uh such a diverse cast and they the story that they are telling is just so sweet and i uh i i was talking to my my parents about this i'm like mom dad how have i never seen this movie uh and they said well son it's very rated r uh and it also came out before you were born and but also like it's one of their favorite movies and so it's just like yeah you know well you just didn't get around to Showing you this movie that had um, a lot of nudity and language that we didn't want you to repeat, even but when lie. you were an adult.
1: <laughs> And that's how you do Easter eggs yep. for everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, I when I was watching it because this was my first time seeing it. Was that your first time?
0: Yeah, watching yeah. it in its entirety. But I, I'll share later about what I remember about this movie. Mm.
1: But yeah, I I was I've been aware of it. And then definitely more recently with the promotion of coming number two America, but I I was blown away by just how funny it was. We've been on a really solid Eddie Murphy kick this year. It was like this and Beverly Hills Cop two, and then you know I realized this was the second time this year we've seen an Eddie Murphy movie where the main character lost a ponytail in the first act because <laughs> we did Bowfinger, and You're right. it's like You're oh. Right. It's all very familiar
0: now. Oh man. Yeah, like so I I had been aware of this movie and the references to this movie. I remember the Soul Glow single uh jingle. Just let yourself. <laughs> I remember that uh distinctly just from uh I wanna say I love the eighties. I I think I love the eighties talked about coming to America, uh, and how influential it was. And then I remember Seeing that scene and then also Sexual Chocolate, the the band. Happily <laughs> the children are the future. I remember that whole scene. And I, I remember at one point in time, I committed that whole song to memory. I want to say for a talent show sometime in high school just to do like wow. that tribute. So I remember so many different elements of this movie, but I, I don't think I've ever seen the movie in its entirety.
1: Yeah, the musical scenes do stick in the memory because um, like, there's those two, those two and then there's also Oha's Queen to Bee song, which is yes. intentionally problematic. <sighs> but what a great way to set a perspective for the main character to counter uh, and while well, also just being hilarious yes. in, uh, <laughs> in its execution. So yeah, it does have those little sketches along the way that I'll feel connected, mm-hmm. but... Um, such strong moments and just like a lot of eddie murphy movies play multiple characters which they would go on to be nominated for an oscar for best makeup and best costume design and wow. rightfully so yeah the makeup of you know you you can tell it's them when they are the the barbershop uh barbers <laughs> i guess yeah. that's called the, the <laughs> barbers um I did not realize that Eddie Murphy was also the third character in the barbershop. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, sexual chocolate, uh, that whole sequence. And just it kept popping up or like the dating scene with Arsenio. Yes. Like, it's just oh. time after time of this, these great character pieces.
0: Well, this is the first time that Eddie Murphy played multiple characters in the same film. Like, and that's oh, this is where
1: it started. This All is right.
0: where it started. And that's the thing that also blew my mind of like, you know, we grew up in an era where we had uh, The Nettie Professor and The Clumps and almost any other movie that Eddie Murphy was making in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Norbit, even in Pluto Nash of and also technically in bowfinger like it just kind of became his trademark just because he's so versatile and he also knows how to do these really solid characters and it was just it was just so the story was just so impressive and and sweet cuz this is something that I I realized when I was watching this movie I can't remember the last time that I saw a a rom-com essentially that was rated R that didn't Earn that R rating for uh, the sake of just doing something really over the top, uh, mm. language-wise, or or otherwise. Like, like uh, I, I feel like, with the exception of the language, which you know, is throughout the movie, just to really let you know that you're in Queens. And also just like, you know, just the stark contrast between uh, the two different cultures. There's so much heart in this movie and it's just a genuine sweet movie. At the end of it, I'm just thinking, wait a second, you have a prince whose family is telling him what to do. So he goes to another world to try to find someone who they can love. It was the little mermaid just coming to America but with a fish? Yep. Yeah, um, as old as time. I feel I feel like there's I'm just because I'm I'm seeing this really solid, sweet story uh just about cultural differences and also what does love mean? Uh, and also changing the rules. I'm also thinking like. You know, at the end, uh when they're they're trying to decide, like, oh, it's tradition. Who am I to change tradition? And then um Queen Sarabi says, uh, I thought you were the king. And so then I was just thinking immediately, hard cut in my brain, well, am I the Sultan or am I the Sultan? I'm just like, Aladdin too. It's just like these <laughs> these uh, these just worlds colliding. I'm just seeing just how Uh, Well of a story this movie told that was really compelling and sweet and went against type largely because typically romantic comedies like this would largely uh, be focused on a female protagonist. Uh, And so to have Eddie Murphy being this uh, this prince who has been pampered and sheltered in all of these different ways who just wants to go out and marry for love It's just really sweet and compelling. And I'm just like, I immediately want to watch the sequel, which I did. I watched like the first five minutes. I'm like, okay, I feel like my wife's going to be mad at me if I I finish this. So let me watch this with her. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, later this weekend is watching the sequel. Yeah,
1: it does have timeless themes in a very specific storyline, which is a great way to explore new worlds, explore new characters, but also have it resonate with audiences. Mm-hmm. And I was on board, start to finish. I, I really enjoyed this movie, and same thing, I'm going to watch the sequel this weekend. And the whole thing is built on Eddie Murphy's character, on Keem's likability, Yes. And I feel like they never really jeopardize that. And uh, I mean, because I feel like lesser movies would maybe make him a bad guy or have him succumb to the temptations of America or whatever. But like he is consistent and you root for him the entire time. Yep. So that's why I was like, if those are the rules of your world, then you can do anything with that kind of character. It's a really enticing character to watch.
0: Yeah. And, and they just build this whole world, uh, going back to the cast. So there's this one scene where, uh, Akeem gives, um, these, uh, two uh, homeless men are sitting on the street and Akeem gives them some money. Uh, and it's actually the Duke brothers, uh, Ralph Bellamy and Donna Michi from trading places. uh, and so in that movie in Trading Places, kind of spoiler, Eddie Murphy as Billy Ray Valentine is responsible for the loot for the Duke brothers losing their fortune. And so they like have this other little pocket universe that is already existing inside the world that they already created.
1: Yeah. So this is really a sequel to Trading Places. Yeah. And that's wow. just the one proof. more character Eddie
0: Murphy plays in that world. That's not even headcanon. That's just that's just canon, canon. Because when they
1: had the interaction, he's like, "We're back," and I was like, "That was very specific. That I need was, to look that up." That was for someone, uh, and that's how you okay
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make Easter eggs <laughs> for Trading Places fans. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. Overall, this movie was just a delight to watch. I had so much fun, and I understood so many references. Because again, I had never seen this movie in its entirety, but seeing all of these references. I remember there's a a ludicrous song uh, called Coming to America, which is, you know, like this movie, Very Rated R. Uh, But he has a reference where he's like, uh, these women throwing rose petals at my feet, man. They want to spoil me, treating me like royalty. What am I supposed to do? And I'm just like, that's what he was saying. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, And they... They just have um, just a really, really great visual gags. is something else I thought was really fun and funny uh, and just the reactions uh, to all the characters. Because even though it's a comedy, the characters feel believable and you, you really do believe the differences of culture. You believe Akeem 100 percent of the time. Like mm-hmm. uh, You believe uh, his uh, his generosity uh his uh really detachment from just material things. Uh and then you also uh believe Simi's character who is very much trying to get back home and he really likes the culture and the and being pampered and being held above everyone else. And so you see that that conflict but also that partnership and it's just it's just really great. I think it's a real testament to eddie murphy and the whole cast just acting ability and how comedy can come about in these very subtle ways like some yeah. of the funniest moments to me were just people's reactions uh or even just how uh, a scene was written like i just i the McDowell scene uh anytime he's explaining anything it's just some of my favorites like hey you get out of here <laughs> this was mcdonald's people Reading i in the manual <laughs> Yeah, it's like, listen. They have the golden arches, we have the golden arcs, and I was like, I'm here for this entire bit. Run it. It felt like a like an arrest development
1: bit. Yes, like you're you're winking at it so hard that has to be
0: yes on the inside. Uh yep. Yeah. It was almost as fun as one of my favorite comparisons. Just like, listen, listen, we we're, we're we're nothing like McDonald's. McDonald's, they have their mascot Ronald McDonald. Us. We have the McHeadcanon! Headcanon! <laughs> headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Now, we already established that, you know, this and Trading Spaces is just, you know, not even part of the headcanon. It's just a yeah, fact. Confirmed, yeah. But my headcanon largely has to do with um, this connecting to the larger universe, which is MCU. I, I just want this. I, I want Eddie Murphy now more than because I'm sure a lot of people are campaigning like get Eddie Murphy and black Panther. I want them to, at the very least in the sequel to uh, black Panther to just acknowledge in, in just some way, uh, Zamunda. Like, mm. if they have not yet, I want them to. Uh, and I just want just a little wink, a little nod, just a little... Black Panther to America.
1: Yeah! Oh. <laughs> no, that'd be fun. Yeah, I was definitely getting Black Panther vibes from a lot of it. Um, even the opening shot, I felt like yep. it, we were approaching Wakanda there. Um, my headcanon took a different... Angle, um, and that was the presence of Samuel L. Jackson's character, <laughs> That's right. who's only in the one scene, but oh, he just yeah. pops up. In my head, canon is that that is Jules from Pulp Fiction, but it's after Pulp Fiction. He walked oh. the earth, he tried to live the straight and narrow path, and all that, but he falls back into a life of crime and uses a trick that he picked up from Ringo and Honey Bunny and tries to rob a restaurant.
0: Wow. So, You know what, Grayson? I love the headcanon so much. I'm going to flip it and reverse it. (laughs) So so, that this is Jules early in his career. Uh, He gets stopped by someone. And then he's like, okay, I can't do this again. And I'm saying this is a reverse because not only chronologically does it happen later. Sure, sure. He decided to go with a different approach. Instead of just, you know, going up, he, he... he freshened up his wardrobe a bit. He's wearing a black suit, you know. Mm. And then he just, let yourself know. Because Jules noticeably has a Jerry Quirrell. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's my yeah, head. The then that's how he knew how to shut down Ringo and Honey Bunny. It's because yep. he'd, seen, he'd seen it all before.
0: He's seen it all before. Mm, mm I like that. I think that works. Yeah, which wallet's yours? Oh, the one that says bad McDowell's on. <laughs> no, I, I I really like that. That that's really I love that connection. Because when I saw Samuel L. Jackson, I was like, that's right. Oh, again, just so many people in this movie.
1: I love Samuel L. Jackson, you know, when he's the lead, but I also love when He is what I consider part of the the day rate collection. Where it's like you had him for one day and you just maximized your time with him.
0: Yeah. The day rate collection. I love that. It's like
1: this and those two episodes of Agents of Shield. Uh just that's
0: really the Samuel Jackson Day Rate. Oh man, that's great. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast, remakes. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? If we started fresh, like this coming to America didn't exist, uh, mm-hmm. or the sequel didn't exist and they were trying to reboot it. I think that they would, you know, we, we have uh, a lot of reality TV. I think that it needs to be Amazing Race. But inverted mm. because basically, Amazing Race is just like, hey, let's go to all of these other like Eastern areas and like yeah, go and navigate these areas that you're not used to navigating. I was like, make well,
1: travel more inconvenient for the everyone around you because we got a camera crew there. Yeah. Yes, it's so the pitch.
0: I, we basically pull a Diddy making of the band. Uh, or making the band, and just do the inverse, where um, you you would take someone from a completely different culture or country, and then just have them navigate <laughs> New York. Oh, culture like, shock! Cool. Is that is that a show? Is that a, I
1: don't know. Should let's, be. Let's
0: get that. I feel website. like that's
1: definitely maybe never been canceled by A and E oh. or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that would be really interesting. Of course, New York is like a very a uh, prominent ecosystem that is very difficult to navigate ha- if you've ever if you've ever just seen someone running in New York in any kind of movie just imagine that but times it by trying to make a connecting flight at a Chicago O'Hare Airport like that is basically mm. what it is cuz it's you know you will be running and you will be confused and you will and be at the wrong terminal <laughs> I've actually experienced both
1: those things one running through the streets of New York and two running through the airport in Chicago to make yep. a flight as they closed the door. Yes. Yeah. Um, so so think... that resonated with me, Ricky.
0: <laughs> I think that would be really great. Uh, yeah. I, I also would love to see this as a series. Like I would love to see that series be an ongoing uh, show that I think would just really play well, uh, especially because I think the stakes could be fun. And I think that the way they, could potentially get more mileage out of it is if they uh, um uh, <laughs> they they actually make akeem younger. Um mm. I know his tw- is it's his 21st birthday, uh but basically it's like hey, it's your 18th birthday and in 2 years you have to go get married and basically he just kind of goes into this uh kind of it was like that rum Rumsprigger- type yeah go away come back thing yeah absolutely or something yeah something to that equivalent but I think that would be really fun for him to just basically try to go to college in America
1: uh, almost
0: like grownish, where you know uh, you're just navigating uh, not only college life but also his first time outside of the care of his parents and seeing how other people and cultures ex- exist uh, and mm. interact with one another and I think that that would be a, a fun uh, a little spin-off testing ground.
1: Yeah, you could go even younger than too, like a young Sheldon era, where oh. it's like a foreign exchange student program. Yeah, um, it, I guess it'd be like every everyone hates Chris except if he were actually everyone a loves Prince. Akeem. Yeah, everyone loves
0: Akeem. Oh yeah, so that's great. All right, so Chris Rock, uh, Eddie Murphy. If if you're listening, I'm sure you are big fans. Uh, let us know when you, you want to kick this series off. We, uh, we're we available to just, you know, ag- agree to, to whatever you want to do. Uh,
1: for my recasting, I went to our classic Eddie Murphy recasting, uh, which was Lamar Morris. Lamar yep. Morris is, to me, just put him in all the reboots, yep. all the reboots, remakes. Um, and then for Arsenio, I had Donald Glover, just because oh. you have to have that dynamic They have to be independently funny as well as work well together. Um, I was going to
0: go with Jay Farrow. Oh, Jay Farrow would be great too. Yeah, Yeah. Because I also know that... I mean, granted, if you've seen Atlanta Season 2, we know that Donald Glover can play multiple characters. Uh, But I think Jay Farrow could also have that same kind of range of going into these different characters too. But I, I, I want Donald Glover in there as well.
1: Yeah, Jay Farrow could play... Uh, Semi and Akeem at the same time.
0: <laughs> that's very true. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, for a remake, I—I was—I don't know if it's a remake or an erstwhile. I don't know, but um, I would love to know what would have happened if, when they flipped the coin, it sent them to LA.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different timeline. Wow. That is a—that's an entirely different timeline. Yeah, because then he would have like, you know, you, you guys heard of In n Out Burger, but this is Out and Out Burger. Yeah, this <laughs> completely. This different. would be
1: yeah. It'd have to have to be addressed as an alternate timeline, and it'd be called Back to America yes. with the little sideways font.
0: Yep. 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 Yeah. I see it. I see the marquee perfectly in my mind. I love it italicize italicize (laughs) oh perfect all right now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend so Grayson why would you recommend the original 1988 movie coming to America
1: I recommend coming one America because it really does transport you to another world through the production design the, the costume design, dance. It's a big comedy. And especially in the 80s, I felt like a, a lot of comedies you know, were kind of shot on location. It was what you had. But this really does push the boundaries of rom-coms, of uh, your, your standard big-budget comedy. But it is, they have elephants, so many elephants. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, it is a, a, a deep comedy, too. It has a lot of heart to it. Uh, It uh, is something that's relatable while still being fresh. And it's that dynamic of searching for love versus versus honoring tradition. Um, And like you said, we see that in Disney. It's it's timeless. So um, what I really enjoy about this, though, is... I feel like there was a there was a narrative for so long of like, yeah, everyone wants to come to America because things are so much better here. And I love how this holds up a very real mirror to American culture and specifically Queens, New York, and being like, this is what it might look like to someone who came here for the first time. And it's it's honest, but it's that's what makes it funny. And so ultimately I think this movie you know, with all of that combined, great acting performances, really clear story, and fun, approachable writing. Uh, ultimately, I think this movie is about the celebration of life and appreciating those everyday parts of life. I was uh, you know, in researching for this uh, episode. I, I found an article that was like. Five things wrong with coming to America, and all of them could be explained away. But the one that really stuck with me was when the landlord uh, was taking them to their apartment, and he describes that it's just one window that faces a brick wall. And this article was saying that, you know, there's a continuity error because when he walks out there, he, he goes through like onto a balcony and can see out the street. I think it's a perspective comment. If you are the type of person that walks into a room and just looks out through a window and takes what you see at face value, yep, yeah, that's a window that faces a brick wall. But if you're the kind of person to take the initiative and have the optimism to step outside for something better, the world is sprawled out in front of you and you can make it happen. And that's exactly who Akeem is and he takes the audience with him on that journey. So I thought this was a funny movie. I thought it was a refreshing movie and I can't wait to watch the follow-up sequel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just completely agree because this movie, especially watching it in its entirety for the first time, I recommend it because it's just it's going to connect so many dots for you. Uh, and it's also like, Grace said, it's very refreshing. I mean, I think this movie expanded to me what rated R rom-coms could be. Because, you know, typically, you know, raises nerd glasses. Uh, you want to have a PG-13 rating to appeal to a wider audience. You know, you're going to most likely have younger people be able to access it, while still having an older demographics still feel like they're going to get something that is to their maturity level.
1: I mean, we all saw the Deadpool Christmas edit,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, but I this movie kind of goes to show that, um, you know, you can still show a really compelling heartfelt story without the R rating necessarily meaning extreme violence or language just for language sake. Mm. Um, because I find that most R rated movies are usually like horror movies or uh, thrillers where they're going to show blood or gore or all these other things. Like that's usually the reason for the R rating. But as far as comedies go, usually it's kind of like gross-out humor or just showing more explicit images for the purpose of comedy. But this movie, I think, really showed that, like, okay, so you can have this basically be what you would expect for, like, a typical PG-13 rom-com movie to be. But really push it past that boundary, but still deliver on the heartfelt love story that the core movie is all about. And so I was really surprised by that. I was really uh, happy to see it. And it was just, it's just so funny. And, and here's something that I really appreciate. At no point in time is Eddie Murphy playing this character where his nationality is the joke. Uh, mm-hmm. and that was something that I think was just really, really great as well. It's just like uh, his culture and his heritage was all just part of who he was. He wasn't playing this um, super heightened, uh, almost stereotype of a character, but he he, he was Prince Akeem Jammer. Sure. Like, and, That's and- the
1: difference between Akeem and Borat
0: right yes. like yes. it's a
1: very important difference i love mm-hmm. that point
0: yeah and so i i just i just really appreciate this movie like i i just want i want to go buy it on laser disc because i assume that it exists in the purest of formats and just watch it over and over again and and show it to to my children when they Become of age, and that's gonna that's gonna be my tradition. A lot of people is like, "Oh yeah, when, when a kid turns uh, sixteen or eighteen, we're gonna have like this rite of passage kind of ritual. Like, we're gonna go camping, or we're gonna um, go on a road trip. We're gonna do something special together." For me and my kids, we're gonna watch Coming to America. <laughs> yeah,
1: and in the words of Semi, look at it this way: at least we learned how
0: to make French fries. <laughs> And that is our review of the 1988 movie *Coming to America*. Let us know what you remember about *Coming to America* on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice uh, on a scale of one to five. Um, I'm 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 stuck between just zebras galloping across the screen uh, mm-hmm. or um, McDowell's. Yeah,
1: I was thinking um, like five shards of broken glass because, oh, yes. like like he says, imagine a country so free, one can throw glass on the streets. So, I mean, we're, <laughs> yeah, have that freedom. Five shards.
0: Yes. <laughs> I give this movie five shards. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, on a scale of one to five shards, how would you rate this review? It means a lot. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With the Snyder Cut finally
1: arriving. We're looking at a different kind of league with the 1992 American sports comedy drama a league of their own. We're bringing a whole
0: new meaning to swing and a miss. <laughs> Ricky that is so good cuz there is no crying injustice. <laughs>